0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 23 of the Wi-Fi Pioneers podcast. Today, we've got another special guest. We have Bowtied Maker, in case you haven't seen him on Twitter. Uh, Maker, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what your, your handle is all about?
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I um, Yeah, I uh, made Bowtied Maker just to... My background is actually in product design, and so I wanted um, a handle that could kind of encompass basically just generally the idea of taking an idea from your head and then making it a reality. And that can be in digital form or physical form. But I wanted something that would be basically kind of all encompassing of how how to, you know, execute an idea and then create, create something from that. Yeah. Okay,
0: so over the past couple of months I've been following you for a few months now kind of tracking what you do. I get the sense that you were an artistic person long before AI came along.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. Yeah, thank you. Um I uh, Yeah, my background is kind of in it's a little bit of a hybrid. So I when I was in college I did 5 years in mechanical engineering and when I went to go do my senior project you know, i kind of realized that the university system kind of as a whole in particular you know our college of engineering really wasn't very supportive of kind of the entrepreneurial uh mindset of like taking a, a new idea and cre- creating something from it it was kind of more about like you know let's find companies that need projects done and then basically use college students as you know cheap labor for it um and so I ended up switching my major over to a major called um liberal arts and engineering studies. So basically what ended up happening is like during during college, I would always take classes like way outside of the engineering curriculum. So I take like art classes, design classes, and they would actually penalize me for that. So I would basically go off curriculum for two quarters, um, and then I'd be on academic probation and so they like okay you got to behave like a quarter so i behave for a quarter and then i get off academic probation, and then go do whatever i want for two more quarters and so when i switched over to the liberal arts and engineering studies major all those classes all actually applied towards the major and it ended up actually graduating earlier than if i'd even stayed in mechanical um so it ended up working out pretty good but basically what it kind of ended up kind of being is sort of a homebrew industrial design pardon me major but with kind of a little bit of like entrepreneurship concentration that's uh,
0: that is really interesting because one i didn't know that they had any kind of degrees that would actually bring together arts and engineering but also you just don't hear about that often um you know so my co-host remy we're always teasing about engineers we both um outside of Twitter world, we both have, uh, contact with quite a bit of engineers and we're always making jokes about how they're introverts and, and whatnot. And we, I've never come across engineers with an artistic talent. Um, so that's really interesting to see that you've got both ends of that. And, and it shows in the work that you're doing because, oh, thank um, you, sir. you know, somebody like me, like, um, I call I, I consider myself an amateur engineer in the sense that I can build anything that I can see. But I can't, I can't do the math behind it. I can't do the calculations. I can't do the complex real engineering. But I can build anything or modify anything if I can see how it works. Right? And that's totally. you know that's why I say amateur engineer. But I have zero artistic talent until I purchase your program. So to tell tell everybody what your um, your program is all about your uh, your AI art for.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, towards the end of last year, I uh, left my corporate job, and I had been tinkering around with Midjourney, uh, just just kind of come on the market a little bit. And I'd heard about it from some of my friends, and so I went to go check it out. And I was like, "Wow, this is incredible." Um, and this is this is back in. I mean, this is like Midjourney V3, you know. So it's like, it's gotten it's, Insane. Now, v V5 is just unreal. Um, but even then, at, at Midjourney V3, I could see that this was going to be like a game changer for both um, any kind of design workflow, but also digital workflow. Because I, I could see that, you know, at the pace that they were improving the AI art engine, being able to be skilled in AI art was going to allow people to kind of 10x our productivity because you know now instead of going to fiverr or whatever and trying to hire like a contract artist like make this thing and they come back with something you're like oh it looks terrible (laughs) like you go back on like three iterations over the course of like a week you know you can literally just like chat with this bot and then have like infinite results in minutes you know um and so i was like i went to go find kind of like a sort of a end-to-end guide on like kind of best practices like how to get started and I just couldn't really find anything that was like a one-stop shop you buy it you're guaranteed that you're gonna like be a master at AI art kind of thing because it was still kind of early and so I was like this could be kind of a cool um, digital product and I really enjoyed using mid-journey and everything and so I basically set aside two months and just did nothing but built um this guide and i tried to approach the ai art guide from a very business standpoint in that if like for any instance that you could use ai art within like your workflow there's like a chapter for that industry right so like there's industrial design there's you know fashion design um and i tried to sort of preemptively see you know how this uh software is going to be used in the industry and then so when you buy the guide you're already you know locked and loaded for whatever industry you happen to be in and then there's like you know prompts and guides and i try to make it more than just kind of a prompt guide but also a guide on how to think about how to use Midjourney, um and how to think about how it fits into your workflow um and It has like a ton of style libraries. I rendered out like hundreds and hundreds of styles in different style libraries um, that you can use when you're working on our project. And you can use it as kind of like visual inspiration while you're working. Just have it up on like a second monitor, you know. And then it just helps you like come up with new ideas that you might not necessarily have come up with, um, you know, without some kind of visual inspiration for it.
0: Lots of little things you just sparked in my head there. So I'm going to try to address them somewhat in order. So prior to your guide and all your, your tweets about uh, MidJourney, I made a couple of attempts on my own with MidJourney and uh, I think the other one was Dolly.
1: Mm-hmm. Dolly, yeah.
0: Absolute failures. I just I put things in. I got crap out. And it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. But I really didn't understand prompt craft. I had no idea what that word even meant. And I didn't really know what I was doing. So I just kind of blew it off as like that's yeah, something for somebody else. And then I started seeing the work you were putting out. I saw your your pictures, your tweets, and then you put out that guide. And I might have been one of the first ones. I'm pretty sure I'm one of the first ones who bought it because as soon as I yeah, saw yeah, what definitely. you were doing, mm-hmm. and I saw that the because I, I did the pre order when you had that first chapter. Yeah. And just that first chapter opened up more more doors for me than I would have ever figured out on my own.
1: Oh, that's and, awesome! That makes me so happy. <laughs>
0: oh, it, it's incredible! It's um. I've been using it for all kinds of things now from uh, my other, anon account is uh, an author and I've been using uh, different images for advertising because nice. I can just create my own things versus buying stock photos. Totally. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten the craft up yet to where I can do my book covers the way I would want them, but it's getting there. Nice. Um, the other thing I've been doing recently is making images for my Substack articles. So it oh, have been, Again, it's like rather than sifting through stock images, I just tell it, "I need a picture of this." Mm-hmm. I get something close, and it's just—it's incredible. And it's so something we've talked about in past episodes, and something I'm even writing about is every new skill comes with a time penalty. Um, you're going to spend dozens or hundreds of hours uh, learning a new skill in the hopes that it works out for you. And the amount of time I would have had to put in to mid-journey to get to where I am now. I mean, it would have just been hundreds and hundreds of hours wasted. It would have never paid for itself. So the fact that you were putting out a guide like that, that was so easy to use and had so many examples, it um, it saved me hundreds of hours and gave me a tool I wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's awesome, why I'm yeah. hoping more people are buying buying it because all of this AI stuff, you don't know what it's capable of until somebody else shows you what it can do.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if yeah. you're
0: not, I mean, for people like me, anyways, I'm not. Artistically inclined that way, I don't know the verbiage for, for artwork, and I'm not technic- technologically inclined for new stuff. Like I'm the guy that has to be shown in a YouTube video or a how-to guide. So the fact that you've got that skill set to to bring both of those together, especially, is just amazing. Uh, from where I sit,
1: awesome man. Yeah, that's that makes me happy, man. Yeah, that's been one of the most kind of like gratifying parts of all the work putting into it is like seeing people use it and then like the main thing is like seem to use it and then profiting it and benefiting them in their business because like because that's actually like real like actual value that you can add to somebody else's life so it's pretty cool
0: so you said you're you're spending you spent two months putting that that guide together was it all trial and error or like what were you studying to to learn all that was it all self-taught
1: it was, yeah. So um, I, it was a bit of a combination of things. So I, when I first started, I went and followed everybody that I could find in the AI art, like Twitter space. It was still very kind of nascent at the time, you know. And then um, the, and then on YouTube, I went and found everybody that I could find on YouTube. But what I actually found was most um, helpful at coming up with the more creative stuff is every day I would go on mid journey and I would scroll through the community feed of all the top, um, sort of favorited and ranked photos. And then I had like a Google doc where I would basically anything that looked that just like looked incredible or like spark something in me where I was like, wow, like that is like something. Cause like coming from like a design background, you know, you know what it would take to actually make that yourself right so like you see somebody with like this incredible concept art for you know some epic like dungeons and dragons warrior it's like fully kitted out and all this stuff you're like that would take me three weeks to make <laughs> you know and you see something like that you're like that's incredible and, and then so I, I have to find like what that prompt is and so i go find that prompt and so then i had this google doc basically of all these Prompts, and then and, um, and you see people doing crazy things. Like, that's where in the chapter on advanced prompt craft, it kind of shows you how in depth you can get with your prompts. I and mean, you can literally just paste in paragraphs of text describing a scene, and it will create an amazing scene. Like, it, it incorporates everything, you know. And um, so, like, there was one prompt in particular, it was for architecture. Um, which is a chapter that's coming out and it was he basically went through and described the scene as if he was like a director uh, describing how the scene was going to be art directed so he was like you know this is directed by Wes Anderson here's what the furniture looks like in in the lobby here's um, the the lighting style here's the color palette that is being used here's the time era of it that the architecture is like reminiscent of here's the camera that's being used I mean it was just like incredibly in depth and it really opened my eyes to like how crazy you can go in the prompt craft side to describe down to the tiniest detail uh, what you want the photo to look like and actually see the results and actually come out in in mid-journey so that yeah it was kind of a it was a combination of learning from everybody that was already in the space and then also looking through just manually all of the incredible artwork that was being produced on the mid-journey kind of community page.
0: Yeah, I've, I've had that experience myself where I've put in highly detailed you – know, once I saw, again, in your guide how detailed you can get, I put in hugely detailed things. I was mm-hmm. shocked at how realistic and, crazy. and how they nailed everything but I'm also surprised sometimes how you can put in so little and get so yeah. much out of it. You so know, true. it's, I mean, you, you put on there, let me see a bear riding a dragon and it's going to show you a bear wearing fantasy armor. And you're like, right. I <laughs> didn't ask for that, but you put it there. You inferred yeah, exactly. that. Like it's crazy yeah. what it comes up with.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, totally.
0: Now, have you had, do you do any, um, do you play with chat GPT at all? Um, either yeah. in con- do you do it in conjunction with mid journey or separate?
1: I have, yeah. There's a, a, a section in my guide on um, using ChatGPT Chat for creating mid-journey prompts, and it can be really powerful because um, what you can do, for instance, like let's say you have a um, like a blog you're writing some uh, you have some content for, so you use ChatGPT, you know, to kind of help write the initial content, and then you can also have ChatGPT. You can give them like a format, Um, and there's a great YouTube video by, I want to say it's Christian Hendorn, Um, and he basically shows you that you can ask GPT um, to give you mid-journey prompts. And what you do is you give them a template of what you want, and then it will auto fill in um, the sections that are templated. So like, let's say... um, you want like uh, a classic car of any kind in some kind of scene, and then you have like a template for the whatever scene you want, and then um, maybe there's like a template section for what type of like weather or background environment you want, right? ChatGPT will then give you uh, like let's say you have give me five mid journey prompts, and it'll give you 5 midjourney prompts, automatically fill in every templated part with like um, a random one that they decide on. And then it will give you five totally new prompts that you can then try. And some of the prompts are like are, are so creative that you, you never even thought of them individually. You know, like you'll get like a, some Lamborghini concept car and like <laughs> all this stuff, you know. And it, it's really – it's a very cool like brainstorming tool to um, kind of take your imagination in directions that you wouldn't necessarily go um, by using uh, that sort of template methodology um, and to have ChatGPT generate these prompts for you.
0: Yeah, it, I've been using ChatGPT not not in conjunction with MidJourney yet. It's still, um, I haven't, I just haven't gone that far, I guess. But what I found is it's the same concept as mid journey where it's garbage in, garbage out. The Mm -hmm. first time I tried playing with chat GPT, it was just like a silly toy Mm -hmm. until I started figuring out. It's like, it can't replace my writing. It can't replace my books for me, but it can, as you said, stimulate my imagination. So when I find myself using the same phrases over and over, I can put it in there and say, what's another way of saying this? And then if I don't like it, I, what I can do is highlight an entire chapter and say, scan this chapter for, for verbiage, for vocabulary, for um, tone. Now give me five different ways of saying this phrase, according to that. Yeah. And it, it does. And it's like, it's not perfect, but it's, it's enough for me to look at it and say, I, all right, I can rephrase that into something that sounds like what I would actually say. For sure. you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems like all these AI tools are exactly that it's, it's only replacing your job if you're mediocre if you're not mm-hmm. mediocre exactly. <laughs> you know it can, yeah. it can definitely be a benefit but it's that whole like we were talking about that the time penalty for learning mm-hmm. something new the longer you put it off the more you're going to get replaced by somebody who can use it
1: exactly and, and uh the way i describe it in my copy on the aiartguide.com is that it's basically like a skill amplifier so whatever skill you have it basically allows you to leverage that skill and generate higher quality outputs faster. So like whatever whatever skill level you're at it just ampl- amplifies whatever you have. So like and and the the better you get at it then the more skill you have and so it just is like this virtuous like cycle.
0: So how are you keeping up with the changes because the change I mean version 3 feels like it was a week ago and now we're at version 5. And they're yeah. already talking about what's coming in version seven, and there's talk of stopping J- Chat GPT before it hits version five because it's too scary. But yeah. how are you keeping up with all these changes?
1: Um, so right now i um, I've been keeping up. So I have like a list of um, that's AI art specific. So like whenever I uh, need to go, like you know, keep up on everything, I just go to that list, and it's all AI art, and I can kind of like see you know what's new and latest and everything. And um, there's a lot of great accounts that are um, posting that are like fully, fully focused on AI art and they're really good about posting um, what's new and what's latest. So like, there's like Nick St. Pierre is really great. Um, uh, There's a a girl named Chris Crestanova, I think. Um, I'm probably mispronouncing her name, but, um, and she's always posting like really great um, clear content, really simplified diagrams on how to do everything. Um, So most of my, um kind of keeping up on everything is through through twitter and then what i see from twitter then i'll go in in mid-journey and kind of like you know put my own spin on it or like test different things um you know like whenever the you know backslash describe came out um it was really fun to work with that and and um see uh try to push the limits of like what mid-journey could output is text. So like if you input an image, it will give you prompts for what it thinks it sees in the image. And then you can then use those prompts to make more images. Um, I mean, really powerful stuff. Like, um, Because what you can do is you can like, let's say, um, you know, you have like an image of like, uh, like a room in your house. Um, you can do, you can upload it with backslash describe and then it will give you prompts for what it sees in that image, and then, this is the crazy part, is you can then use that picture of your house as an image reference. So you upload it into uh, MidJourney as an image reference. Also add the prompt that it gives you from Describe. So then it gives you the prompt for that. So it's like double, um, basically like double description of kind of guiding what you want to see in that image, and then you can add. Like, let's say you want to um, kind of style a room in like mid-century furniture. Then you can just say mid-century style interior design. And it will take the room and they, like this, the styling of the prompt and everything, and it will just make that room filled with mid-century design furniture. And suddenly you like, have a basically a, like a fully specced out interior design image rendering, like full rendering that would take like an interior designer a week to do in like three minutes. It's crazy.
0: Now, and I'm sure I know the answer to this, but is that inside of your guide?
1: So it's coming out. So I have a, a chapter on architecture and a chapter on automotive coming out. Um, and I'm really excited about both of those because the automotive one, um, it, yeah, the automotive one is going to be sick. Like the architecture one is like, it, it's cool because it's so it, it's so applicable for so many things, right? You can use architecture renderings for, book covers for blog articles. I mean, there's so much stuff that uses architecture that um, you can use, you know, all these prompts for. But the just for me personally, the automotive one is really fun because um you know, like let's say you have like a, a car project you're working on and you want like a, a cool accessory for something inside inside your car, right? Like a like a gear stick shift or something. Um you can you know, take a photo of the car and like the stick shift and everything, and then say like make a cool um, like cyber themed stick shift, right? And suddenly you have like four renderings of a super sick cyber themed stick shift that you can then, you know, model in 3D, 3D print, paint, boom, done. You know. Um, and so yeah, I'm really excited about both of those chapters. I've, I've, I've. They're almost. They've actually been almost complete for like about a week, but I've been kind of holding off on um, dropping them because I can tell that there's like a lot of stuff that's still coming that can be useful, particularly for the architecture one. And so I want to make sure that I'm like at least at at least got like um, the the current wave of content for it before I make it live again because um, this I think it's going to be pretty cool.
0: I mean that that's such a game changer for so many industries and. You know, if even for just an individual person, it's a it's a big deal to be able to use that kind of stuff. Anything where you can upload your own photo, um, I I might have seen it today or yesterday. Somebody tweeted about how if you're if you're in fashion, you can upload pictures of your clothing mm-hmm. and then create your own models. Totally. And there you go. You don't have to pay somebody hundreds or thousands of dollars to wear your stuff.
1: Yeah, um, it's incredible. Things,
0: well, and even now I'm thinking, you know. You could take pictures of, say, your pets and your kids, upload them, and then have it do a cartoon rendering of your mm-hmm. family. All right? And then you take that over to Etsy, and you can have somebody print that onto a canvas, and now you have a painting of an animated painting of your family.
1: Totally. Right?
0: There's just so many directions you can take this stuff if you're willing to embrace it instead of running from
1: yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And the business opportunities are going to be there, you know, for people like yourself who are making the how-to guides, but even for the people who are just willing to do the work, because there's always going to be that boomer mindset person who doesn't want to learn it. We say, "All right, email me your photos, and I'll, I'll run it through the AI in a matter of minutes, and you can pay me stupid amounts of money to do that."
1: Exactly. You know? <laughs> there's always, always room for the middleman. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think. The, the way these changes are going, you're going to be able to be, be selling those guides for a long time with, with Yeah, I hope
1: so. Yeah, so thank you, like, sir. Yeah.
0: So, um, on that note, where are you? Where are you planning to take, like, or where are you hoping to take your um, your work with AI uh, as far as your next guides, your next how-to, what you might want to do with it professionally on on your level or under the bowtie maker uh, account?
1: Yeah. Um, so. I have a couple of different ideas. Um, The AI art master guide, I view that as kind of like, um, like in perpetually updating, like constant, like, my my goal is to make it basically like the best start to finish how to guide for all AI art and how how to implement it in your business. What I wanna do in the future is now that we're seeing how, you know, how many different implementations of AI art you can use, particularly in in the digital space. Um, I want to add chapters that are, uh, geared specifically towards how to make money with AI art in using in a digital space. So, um, chapters like, um, you know, uh, book covers, making game cards, um, You know, uh, illustrations for books, um, blog articles, content marketing, advertising creation, basically making um, chapters that are specifically geared towards how to use AI art in more of an e-com space. Um, And I I have, you know, some of that in the guide currently, but I think there's just so many more opportunities um, that are there. Uh, that it would be worthwhile to make additional chapters in to kind of make it be basically the like the guide to go to for how to create content um, very quickly and how to monetize that content um, in kind of creative ways. Um, and a lot of uh, what I see for the future of AI art is using AI art uh, to create physical and like more substantial like products, so not just the art itself, but using art to um, a- as a tool to create physical products. So like even stuff like board games, um, like just as an example. So in the, in you know I've I've done Kickstarter's in the past, um, and we did like half a million for like the most recent one, and like. Um, with Kickstarter, the great thing about Kickstarter is that the really the only upfront cost is your prototyping. And Kickstarter is very um, rigorous about, you know, you have to have like a functioning physical prototype, which is understandable, um, but you only need one. And so let's say you have a great idea for a board game um, and you want to make it live, you can um, use ChatGPT to... Help make the rules of the game. Um, come up with like different theme ideas. Come up with like basically use ChatGPT just to like come up with pretty much all of the main content of the game. Then um, you know you, you can use uh, the A.I.R. to create the box artwork, create the card artwork, create like um, ideas for what you want the little board game pieces to look like, um, and and, and if you extend that, that's not just board games. That's like any product. Like you can make wallets. You can make. I mean, anything that you can. You see on Kickstarter. You can use Midjourney to prototype, create, and use ChatGPT to help create your content and everything. And so the ability now to leverage platforms like Kickstarter, which have essentially zero. I mean, not zero, but like relative to the, you know, upfront capital expenses of the business, very, very low upfront capital expenses. Put it on Kickstarter, advertise it, leverage the existing market that's on Kickstarter, and then um, if it succeeds, then you have a win, and y- you know you can go to your you know production manufacturer and say I have you know 5,000 orders for this board game, and you're good to go. Um, and if it doesn't, not a big deal. You're out maybe like 500 bucks for a prototype, you know. Um, and so that's where I see. The value long-term in AI art is taking the time from idea to market validation way down, like asymptotically down, unreal, like short time span compared to what it would take um, before AI art.
0: You're taking out all the middlemen, which is great because that's the big time killer. So when I finish writing a book, the time from finished writing to publish is about a month because I've got to get it edited, and then I got to get a beta read, and then well, beta read and then edit it. Um, during usually before that, I try to get the cover done, uh, but the cover is you know the cover artists they take their time to do things, and every step of the way you know this is two, three, four, five hundred dollars of every step, depending on what you're doing and of course, the cover dependent depends on what genre you're writing, right? So if you're writing science fiction, you need to have that really sci-fi art world. Uh, so that's almost always custom done. You can't just uh, take, pick that off of stock photos. Whereas if you're doing uh, romance novels, you just need to take, take uh, people off of model websites, but you still have to sift through um, stock photos. And you'll notice in the independent author world, using the same photos from the same handful of websites so the the cover the covers don't have a lot of variation yeah same thing with independent sci-fi if they don't have a um if they don't have a friend who's an artist they're all using the same stock photos so this is get opening up a whole new door to independent uh writers to make their own covers saving themselves 500 bucks so it's not even just about how you monetize it in an e-commerce sense it's all the money you don't have to spend 100%.
1: 100%. Um, yeah. As
0: ChatGPT gets a little uh, better and able to to scan through book length documents for you for a user level, there goes the need for an editor. It can it can look for inconsistencies in plot or inconsistencies, inconsistent uh, facts. Or if you're writing nonfiction, your if your references. So, like ChatGPT, AI, Midjourney, they're they're all going to be tools in that space. I'm already seeing the ways I can save money with it, um, and that's that's uh, thousands of dollars a year. Compared to the ways I can make money with it, which is a whole other category. So you've really got a twofold product there. Um, Something you know, write your guide as as you see best fit, but consider making a whole chapter on just how to not spend money by using AI.
1: Yeah, no, that, that that that's a very good point. Yeah, that's a good angle, definitely.
0: So I've also seen you have a um, you you just recently made a uh, God, what do you call it? Like a display case for. For watches and smartphones and stuff um i'm sorry what was it the
1: yeah the everyday valet
0: yes thank you um is that 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 your own design and is that a 3d print or is that a coming through a manufacturer
1: yeah yeah that's my design um and so whenever i first um left my w2 i knew i wanted to do kind of my own like physical product because it's sort of where my, my background is and um I always like um, things that just like help your day feel super organized and dialed in. Um, And so, and, you know, I kind of like men's style a bit. And so I have like, you know, a lot of like accessories and watches and, um, you know, sunglasses and all this stuff. And what would happen is I would um, buy a little valet tray you know, and it has like a slot for like your knife and your wallet and your phone and everything. And then I would get like another knife. And then, so like man, now I got it. So I got about like a whole nother tray, you know. And so I wanted like a system that would basically scale with my gear as I got more gear. And, um, and I also wanted something that would like kind of be sort of timeless and like an, an heirloom. Um, I went whenever um, – I think it was a couple of years ago I went to the Metropolitan Museum over there in um, New York, and um, I it was incredible. Like I'm not really a big museum guy usually, um, but walking through the Metropolitan and seeing the level of craftsmanship that people used to make things with is completely mind-blowing. I mean – you could take something as simple as like a secretary desk and it just has like incredible like inlay work on the top and beautifully carved legs and like just incredible craftsmanship for a single secretary desk and I'm like you know that took that person like at least a month to make you know and it completely like kind of changed my mindset about, um, product design because a lot of industrial design is kind of geared towards, um, what can be manufactured most efficiently and most cost effectively and the lowest cost to the customer. And it made me want to design things that were designed purely with the idea of what is the most beautiful, like awesome to use. Product that I can make for this particular use case. And so when I uh, sat down to design the organizer, um, the idea was basically to create something that I could have CNC machined out of like really high quality wood, um, but that would be like really nice, like satin finish and would last forever, you know, last like generations. Um, but that could still be manufactured with modern technology in in kind of a scalable way. And so I took a long time in 3D printing and iterating in in Fusion 360 um, and basically created a system that um, is kind of modular. So it's it's kind of in a one by – each module is one by one except for the valet trays, which are two by one. And then you can basically – um, grid out the modules however you want. And then there's like a module for, you know, displaying your watches. There's one for your knives and your pens and flashlights. And there's one for, you know, kind of valet trays and um, larger knives, basically a bunch of different modules for each type of um, everyday carry gear you might have. And they're all magnetized. So when they, you know, kind of snap together on the grid, they automatically snap into like a perfect, um, you know, flush grid uh whatever service you have and um yeah and so it, you know that it, it took um a bit longer to get the prototypes all dialed exactly um how I wanted them partially just because um I'm like mildly OCD and perfectionist but um also just partly just because of the manufacturer timelines where I kind of had to work with you know what what their timelines were and everything um and yeah so I, I got that and then um I uh, got the site built and everything, and what ended up happening actually, um, so it's actually still paused because what ended up happening is um, the night (laughs) I went to make it live, the very next morning, I got a very intriguing um, job offer, (laughs) and I was like, oh shoot, because I just launched the site, and I I was getting ready to go to press Tuesday, and I launched it Monday night. And I was getting ready to go to press, and I, I get this call, and they're like, Hey, do you want to go help me move, move this factory? And I'm like, That's very cool. <laughs> and um, so um, I'm still waiting to hear back on that. You know, it's obviously still up in the air and everything, but um, I didn't want to make it live and then have to go do this other big job and then not be able to fulfill the timeline that I was planning. And so I, I password protected the site and then, um, so it's currently built and everything's like ready to go and everything. Um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what my next step is because if this, um, project does come through, it could be a really fun, uh, fun contract project. Um, very like boots on the ground, operational type thing. Um, which is right in my alley and so I have that basically locked and loaded and ready to go um but I'm waiting until I kind of get final confirmation on what my my next steps are
0: Totally understand that. You know, you can't you can't launch it into a new venture a, a new venture where you don't have time to support it. it exactly. It's going to actually yeah. be more damage than just delaying. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's um now I I saw briefly your, your website. I don't know if it's still active now uh, as we're recording, but I did see a couple of weeks ago, the valet, And I mean, it looks gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing. Like oh, thanks, sir. people have, we, we spent so much time the last 15 years, probably going to cheap things that people stopped buying nice things. And, you know, it's nice. It's good to see a return to nice and quality and beauty again. So it's, um, if by time we're ready to publish this, uh, this podcast, we're, we're pre-recording. So, uh, for the listener, but, um, I'll definitely in, in the, the podcast description, I'll do a link to your, uh, maker guide for the AI for Midjourney. journey, but I'll also, if you're thinking you're going to go live with the website soon, I'll go ahead and uh, add that to the description. If not, I'll, I'll leave that off, but, um, awesome! it's yeah, just something it. people should, should see it. It's really nice quality stuff. Um, So with that, I kind of want to jump topics a little bit. Uh, Another, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, you put out a Substack article about 3D printing and, you know, getting home use 3D printers and stuff. Like, I I was, in the back of my head, I've been thinking about buying a 3D printer for years, but when I, you know, 10 years ago, it was a $5,000 technology. The setup that you just described in your Substack was $500. And that includes like upgrades and stuff. Like it's yeah, incredibly I it was, like, cheap. Yeah,
1: like fully upgraded.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what can you make right now with with three D printing? Like, what is the the use case for somebody who's not in manufacturing? Um, I know years ago you, you you had basically plastic resin you could use. And you got plastic non movable objects like uh, board game pieces and stuff. What's upgraded since then in the material?
1: What can you do? Um, it's kind of incredible, honestly. Um, you know the most the most um common most affordable film that people use right now is called PLA, and that's kind of like your standard f- filament. It creates like, you know, hard feels sort of like ABS, not quite as like um impact resistant as ABS, but it's like very durable, especially especially if you do like 100 fill on the inside, um, and. So that's what um, most people use for the primary, for most of their 3D printing. Um, What's cool now is there's a lot of companies like um, Proto Pasta, which is a really great one. Um, They have a cool subscription where you can um, sign up for like a monthly box and they'll send you three totally new um, styles of PLA. And some of them are incredible, like ones that have gradients, ones that are like metallic, ones that are look like wood, um, just really cool filaments that you can use. And then um, I think they're 100 millimeter links, I want to say. Um, and it, it's basically enough to kind of like test the filament out in, in uh, on a larger um, scale product. And then if you like it, then you can go buy in like a full spool um, from the website. It's a really cool cool little product. Um, but what we can also do is um, you can do soft materials as well. So there's um, different types of soft filaments that you can use, and they print out like regular filaments, but then once you take them off the print bed, they're kind of like um, rubbery. And so you can use them to make like um, parts if you're like overmolding or making phone cases or um, anything where you want something that's a little bit more shock absorbent or a little more flexible uh, material. You can actually print that which is crazy um and then you can also go all the way up to you know like carbon fiber filled nylon um and with the 500 dollars fully upgraded 3d printer you can actually print carbon fiber filled nylon like high abrasion high temperature everything for 500 dollars i mean it's it's incredible the quality of prints you can make and a print made with fiber filled nylon basically has equivalent like strength characteristics of like aluminum I maybe mean, it's incredibly durable and um so you know you know there's you know there's a there's a whole space in kind of the you know the second amendment um space which obviously uses 3d printing um to make you know accessories for that space um and uh you know there's a lot of different cases that you can use for in your house or in your life and stuff and so what i really use 3d printing for is basically anytime I think of something that I want, like sort of in my life to make my life more organized or just something cool to make or anything, um, I just model it and then 3D print it. And what's cool about that is like, like let's say you're making um, an organizer for your workspace, right? You have like a specific set of tools, a specific space that you have and you want to make an organizer that that organizes exactly the tools you use every single day at an arm's reach you can make a fully custom product that is exactly fitted for that space look exactly how you want it um, and then print it for you know 3 dollars in filament <laughs> it's like incredible and um, so there's a lot of stuff you know that i've printed around my house for you know my workspace or anything where Um, you know, if, if you were to go and try to get like a product made or even like a prototype made or injection molded or whatever, I mean, it costs thousands of dollars to get a prototype made, you know? Um, and if you have a 3d printer, you just spool up the filament, throw the file in, you know, over wait overnight, come back, pull it off in the morning. You're good to go. Um, and so, yeah, it's a very, um, I think it's a, it's a space that we have like uh, just sort of like as an industry we haven't seen the full capacity of what it's capable of for people purely because um you know 3d modeling and cad modeling and product design is something that isn't fully distributed and kind of commoditized to where everybody can do yet um it takes some time to kind of learn how to 3d model and all that stuff you know um but it's one of those skill sets that's once once you do it, it pays off immensely because you can basically make products. You can make stuff for your house. You can make stuff for your family. It's well, it's a skill that once you know how to do it, the, the payoff is just like you're pretty much good for the rest of your life because you can just make whatever you want.
0: It would seem to me that when they can get bridge the gap between AI, you know, chat GPT type AI and, um, mid journey in a 3d version of mid journey that when you can bridge that gap from there to the 3d printer, 3d printer sales are going to go through the
1: roof, through the roof. I, I, I have been waiting for that moment since like December of last year. Like anytime I do a rendering of a product, I'm like, Oh man, I wish that was a 3d model. Like that would be so sick. Um, and I think we're, we're, seeing some companies, um, like Luma and stuff where, um, I think we're getting close to that i my guess is by the end of this year you'll be able to output high res um like obj and fex files from a prompt which will be complete game changer i mean just world changing levels of like yeah speed to market
0: like because right now yeah, I try to think what would be my use case for a 3D printer, and it comes down to the time penalty for me to use, learn a, a 3D program like CAD or some some version like that is too much for me to justify getting the 3D printer. It's not the printer itself. It's the time I need to spend to learn it. There's, there's no end to the random – like, I, I'm constantly fabricating stuff. I've got myself a, a, my own farm, and I'm always – Building My own custom tools or, or brackets or devices that I need for something. There's always something I'm trying to fabricate myself and I'm always pulling, you know, scraps of metal out, grinding them down. And if I could just say, hey, I just this or whatever I need to be able to feed that, those dimensions in and get it out in a couple of minutes time at the computer and just wait till the next day for a, a series of brackets or whatever it is I'm needing like that's a huge game changer for me because then I don't have to spend the time fabricating nonsense. Um, so that's the, that's the type of stuff I'm looking forward to, and I'm hoping it gets here sooner than later.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too, man. it's going to be incredible.
0: Um, cool, like that. Um, God, there's just so, there's so much on the uh, the horizon that's coming. It's amazing to think. Like again, we don't know what we're going to be able to do with it until people just start playing with the stuff. Um. So that's about all the questions I have for three D printing and AI. Um, going through your substacks, I saw you did do uh, you did at least one on some e commerce stuff and drop shipping and stuff like that. Is that anything you're still involved with? Well, um, e commerce yeah, so, probably because you're going to be doing your your valet. But
1: right, um, right, um, yeah. So in the past, you know, I've done um, you know Shopify stores for pretty much all of my businesses. Um, and um yeah actually i got on board with shopify pretty early on when they first started and um it's pretty incredible as a software how like they've always even from day 1 been focused on making it really easy for the customer um and that's probably the most powerful benefit of shopify is that basically anyone can become a business owner extremely easily and it's easy to make the shop It's easy to set up payments all the sort of the back intricacies of of an e-commerce business are just incredibly easy with uh, Shopify um I have never really gotten too into drop shipping I have tinkered a bit here and there just to try you know um I I I've tended to skew away from drop shipping um for, for a couple of reasons, one, um, in the past, you know, whenever I've built businesses and stuff, I've always wanted to build the business in such a way that, um, it's like, a in a su- surprisingly awesome experience for the customer. Right. So like, um, when, like, Whenever you're building an e-commerce shop and building your brand, you have the opportunity to kind of create this um, experience for the customer um, and control every aspect of what, what their experience is with your company. Um, and what I found with dropshipping is that even, even if you use kind of a U.S.-based dropshipper, which has like, you know, more – um, reasonable delivery timelines, like, you know, seven days or whatever. Um, the the experience of the customer from an e-commerce standpoint is still just kind of like it's just less than ideal, you know, especially with when you have companies like Amazon where, you know, two day shipping um, and you can pick from whatever you want and it's already set up payments already set up. Um, I just found that like the the amount of effort involved in setting up a dropshipping site and doing it well, which is the big the big thing, you know. This, <laughs> sometimes you see, like we'll see an Instagram ad for like a dropshipping product, and you go to it, and you're like, like, could you have not spent more than like 24 hours on this page? <laughs> like, it's just so tacky, you know. Um, and the amount of effort involved in, in building a drop shipping site well is such that like, if you're going to spend that amount of effort, of effort for an e-commerce site, you might as well build your own brand. And even if that means that you, you know, basically you just take pre-orders, you can still offer the same thing where you're taking pre-orders. Um, and, uh, you know, you might have still have like delayed delivery timelines, but at least you're able to control the quality of your product you're able to control the customer experience you're able to just provide like a better communication experience to the customer i mean it's kind of an an inside joke in the drop shipping industry is that um you know their their customer their customer help email just gets deleted after the product lifecycle runs you know like nobody answers the customer service email because the you know they're going to run the product for like a month and then delete the shop you know it's like it's sort of a um you know dirty insider secret that basically there's no customer service um and so generally speaking i I just i tend to shy away from it i mean i think it can be profitable obviously people you know have succeeded with it um but from a general personal preference standpoint I, i just find that like if you're going to put that amount of effort in, into something, you might as well build something that's like really cool and something that you're excited to work on and and something that you can actually grow to sell in the future and actually build long- term value than just kind of like a quick cash grab you know
0: yeah it's, I don't have much experience in the drop shipping space beyond what a few other people have posted on Twitter or YouTube videos and stuff about it, but I just got the general sense that it's run its course. For anybody who's not involved in it. You know, if you're gonna make money in it, then you've already made money doing it and you kinda know the ins and outs. But for somebody to start their Wi Fi in drop shipping, it seems like it almost always ends with, with loss.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would say, you know, in terms of like potential for success, like the um there's definitely much more stable and much, much, uh, higher likelihood of success options for sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, is there anything you'd want to add to what we were talking about with mid journey, AI, 3d printing, anything that we didn't cover?
1: Um, you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, as we were talking, I, uh, it kind of made me wonder, like, I wonder if there's an opportunity where maybe it, because I, th- I think the opportunity to be able to learn 3D modeling um, very quickly in like a very efficient way uh, could be kind of a, an interesting opportunity. Um, and so this conversation has kind of like sparked the idea that maybe I should do um, maybe like a YouTube or some kind of like video course or something on, on how to do that. Um, maybe that could be something that could be useful.
0: Absolutely. Video courses. I mean, your, your, your PDF guide was great. It, um, you know, got me 80% of the way there, which is, you know, as far as any how to guide is going to get you, you have to do the other 20% yourself, but you definitely, you saved me a ton of time. I could see how going in there and showing each of those chapters you have as a how to video, um, being very useful to people too. And, you know, the thing is, don't forget, that sometimes the more simplistic you get, the better, you know, there's definitely advanced course level stuff. And then there's everyday people just because we're living in this technological age, there's a lot of 20 year olds who still have the brain set of a boomer and they're just Mm -hmm. not (laughs) tech inclined, (laughs) you know? So the more you can hold their hand, like, again, I am at the bare minimum level of computer-based competency to be where i'm at you know i'm definitely behind the curve and i'm hanging on every day i'm just hanging on <laughs> trying to try not to lose where i'm at so those types of guides really help me uh, personally stay stay relevant so i yeah. know there's other people who, who are further behind than i am who definitely need stuff like that so it would be it'd be really good good uh info, information if you did something like that definitely cool. and you know okay. you can always take it um i know you can you make those videos private too, so that people have to pay, pay for access. Like, don't be afraid to monetize something like that. It's well worth the money.
1: Awesome. Okay. Well, I shall, I shall take that as a note for future project ideas for sure.
0: Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on and talking about all that stuff. It's just this, this is a very exciting world. And I I can't, I know I've said it, but I really can't stress enough how grateful I am that you put that, that product out because, I would not have gotten into the world of AI art at all, let alone been able to use it the way I am that's currently saving me money and making advertisements and, and making my, my writing more visual. Like It opened a world for me, so I'm so glad you did that. And awesome. I'm really man. looking forward to whatever you, you make next.
1: Sweet. Well, well, thanks a lot, sir. Yeah, that, that, that means a lot to hear, so I'm glad it was helpful, man.
0: Yeah. All right, well, for the listener, we're going to be wrapping it up here. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, where can they find you?
1: Um, yeah, so I'm uh, at Maker, um on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram as well. I don't post much on Instagram. Um, most of my content just comes out on Twitter. Um, I may post more on Instagram. Um, once I do the architectural automotive guide, um, I'll, probably, I'll probably start basically double posting on Instagram and Twitter um, the art that I'm outputting um once it goes live just as part of the promotion for that but um yeah it's at boat maker on uh twitter and instagram
0: and in the description of this video i will also post a link to your um air guide so that people could find it and awesome. um cool well then everybody have a good weekend